Hello, everybody, and welcome to the. I don't know what episode we're on now. We've we've lost track. We've done that many. We're uh, to the first chart over time. Uh, this week we're concentrating. After all, we've done the reviews of all the um, on the all the divisions. We're going to concentrate on some offensive breakout players. We've all we've all picked one each, and we we'll talk why we think they're next year is going to this, this season. Should I say is going to be their breakout player, and we, we'll we'll all have questions about each other's players and stuff like that and uh yeah i don't think there's much else to say on the matter really apart from who wants to go first maybe that's something we should have shouted out before the before we started but <laughs> but i'm gonna go from i'm i'm gonna go on my screen looking from right to left and it's mark i'm gonna put mark on the spot straight away and start and i'll let him introduce his play i won't i won't i won't steal his thunder so who did you pick for offensive um, breakout play next year one thanks for going for me first when I, I feel like this is a disclaimer all the time for me i've done no research i've done no research but i did choose somebody who i think is is in line to have a really good breakout year this year to be honest with you it's kind of a bit of a um it's kind of a bit of a sneaky pick because some people would argue we had a breakout last year to be honest with you but um, I think that with the tight ends, you know, like the top three tight ends and whatever whatever order you want to go in, Kittle, you know, Waller and Kelsey, and there's arguments for whatever order they go in. There's a, a vacant spot for the fourth tight end in the NFL. And I've decided to choose TJ Hawkinson as my 2021-22 season breakout player. Um you know, like I'm big, you know, like I liked what I saw from TJ Hawkinson last year. You know, he had a run of games where he was really dominant. And up until the point where Stafford got injured um, and he, he suffered with some injuries himself, you could argue he was on course for a thousand yard season. Um, I remember watching him against the Green Bay Pack as it was, and he had a brilliant game that game. And, um, you know, like he was, he was well thought of coming out with Iowa. He was the first tight end taken off the board. You know, like in the 2019 draft, ahead of Noah Fan. Um, yeah, and and he's a bit of a do-it-all tight end. He's good in the blocking game. He can run block. He's good in the receiving game. He's got yards after catch ability. And what he started showing last year was he was showing more red zone ability as well. I think the truly break out. I think that's what we need to see from Hawkinson this year. You know, is more is more work in the red zone. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's I think he's on for a good season. So that's the guy I've chosen. Um, I've got some statistics around it, but I'm going to let you ask us some questions first on what you think might make a difference. And do you agree with my pick, or do you not agree with my pick? And then I can use these stats to kind of pop up the argument if you have got anything bad to say. I think it's best to go with um, the Lions fan here, isn't it? And ask um, Bones if the first question if he's got anything. I'm, I'm 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 in agreement with Mark. I think this guy is um, like I think you could say if if he can have the breakout year that he needs to have, he's like borderline. He is an, a borderline elite tight end. Like he is really good. He's definitely one of the top. Like after the after the top three, the big three that that Mark's already mentioned, he is in my opinion the next best tight end in the league, and he's underrated for. The same reason that I said Stafford was the other week when we talked about the Rams. Um, nobody watches the Lions, so nobody gets to see this guy play. But he, he's fast. He blocks. He just. He, he's the, there was a play last year where he got hit 
after catching the ball by two different players, stayed stood up and got like five more yards after the two hits. Like he's just a great player, and I love watching him play. And just I hope we have our own version of those top three players in 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 TJ Hawkinson. I got nothing bad to say about the guy. Love him. I think um, for me, I'm 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 a big fan of him. I think he's um, I think he's got the qualities to be a top tight end. But if I'm looking at something. It's, it's you know, obviously I think it's I think it's obvious to everyone. It's Jared Goff who was the main quarterback there. Is that what we saw with the Rams? I know it's a fresh start. We could have something really good, you know, so, potentially. But I'm just thinking, it will his with his production suffer? Well, to be honest with you, I'm pleased you asked that because one of the things I had, one of the reasons I had from having a breakout season was the addition of Jared Goff. You know, like, I'll, and I'll tell you why, sir. Jared Goff last year threw to his tight ends in um, LA for almost a thousand yards. He threw for 938 yards to, in Los Angeles in seven touchdowns. Um, Hawkinson alone had six touchdowns last year, but he threw for seven touchdowns and 938 yards to tight ends. The difference is there is he was throwing to two tight ends. That's the combined statistics of Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't let that worry you too much because what we know is in Detroit is they've got a very very thin wide receiver, you know, room, and they've also got nobody of any real note behind T.J. Hawkinson. So last year he saw seventy eight percent of the tight end snaps. This year I think it could be ninety. I think you could see as much as ninety percent of all tight end snaps being Hawkinson on the field. So basically, in other words, if, if the Lions are lining up with a tight end on the field, nine out of ten times it's going to be Hawkinson who's on that field. Um, so, and, and there's very little bullet behind him. And, and Goff, as I said, has actually got a bit of a, a history of throwing to tight ends. Or at least when he has one that's hot, he goes to them a lot. I'm thinking, you know, remember 2019 when Tyler Higby got really hot at the end of the year? And Goff was just feeding them the ball. And if anyone was playing fantasy then in 2019, most years will remember that like Higby won a few leads, won a few leagues as a result of it. And he got really hot and Goff just trusted them and just started feeding them the ball. 2020, his stats dropped off a bit, you know, and he, and he started spreading it between Everett and Higby. But I think if Hawkinson can earn the trust of Goff early, and let's face it, this is a young offense. You know, like when you look at the wide receiver room and they've got rid of Golladay and Jones, you know, Hawkinson's probably their number one target at this moment in time. And Goff should be really looking at him at every single possibility to be catching the ball. Does that answer your question, Jordan? What do you think about that? <laughs> I do agree. I, I do agree with you. Um, it's, it's going to be one of them, but like like you said, if it's going to be come down to the trust in it. Like uh, when you look at the uh, wide receivers and, and the tight ends, the two experienced guys, the new guys that come in there. If he can get a partnership with Hawkins, and he's going to rely on him. He's going to lean on him. him at times, you know, if he's struggling in the game, he's going to he's going to lean on TJ Hawkins and, um, and keep and try to keep finding. So I'm, I, I, you're probably right. Yeah. He, he, I don't think the production would suffer even if Jared Goff you know, not very well. I'll tell you what else. Like this, this offense is going to want to run the ball. They've got Anthony Lane in, you know, who's, who's recently come across from LA himself from the Chargers this time, you know. 
They're going to want to run the ball. He's He likes to establish a run game. He likes to establish a run game, which means that Hawkinson, with his blocking qualities, is still going to be on the field for those, which means when the play action comes along, they're going to be, Hawkinson's going to be on that field. And he's, the defences are going to basically not know whether it's a pass out to Hawkinson or a run because he's that good at run blocking. It's not like Waller who strolls on the field. who's actually an underrated run blocker. But let's just say Waller. Waller strolls on the field and the defence are automatically thinking, we need to look at a defensive back on Waller to account for him. You know, because it, it almost, it, it could be a telltale sign that they're passing. With Hawkinson, you literally don't know. He's a bit like Kittle in that effect for your team, John. But when he lines up, you know, like when they're playing in 21 personnel, this is why I was seeing the San Francisco 49ers, that offense could be so dangerous there last week. Because when you line Kittle up in a, in a 21, you know, like a 21 personnel, you don't know if you're running or you don't know if he's going to flex out and he's going to be catching. And Hawkinson's yeah. got that kind of value. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Obviously, the, the Iowa comparison is always going to be there as well with those two guys. It was... It's an unusual pick to take a tight end that high. I think he's, other than Kyle Pitts, which is obviously this year, I think only Vernon Davis is, is one of the only other ones I can think of that's gone in the in the top 10 in the in sort of my time watching football. He's a really good player, Hawkinson. The, the only questions I kind of have are related to, we don't know anything about the Lions. We don't know what their offense is going to be. We don't know what the scheme is going to be. Um you know, we don't know a lot about it, really. Do you think having Dan Campbell there, who, let's face it, is a former tight end in the league and most of his coaching experience is as a tight ends coach, do you think that has any bearing on possibly helping him break out? Are they going to be a quite a tight end-centric offence? I know you said Goff throws to the tight ends a lot. Is You know, obviously that might factor in as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was my second point on why I think he's going to have a breakout reason. Point number one was when Goff gets hot and he trusts the tight end, he feeds him the ball. My second point was Dan Campbell himself. You know, like Dan Campbell, like he says, was a tight end in the league. And he has been a tight end's coach for the more, for the like for, for the time he's been in this league. Um, I think Dan Campbell will look at TJ Hawkinson and see a mould of a player of what he wants. You know, like he, he talked about people coming in and biting kneecaps. You know, Hawkinson's a tough blue collar, you know, like tight end. He's, he's almost like a throwback tight end to the Heath Miller days. When he came out that year, I compared him to Heath Miller. I said a little bit more athletic version of Heath Miller. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, you know who the guy who he reminds us of? He reminds us a little bit of, you were saying about Kittle. I think he reminds me of Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? Um, in, in Baltimore. Uh, and, and he would probably be tight end number four for me at this moment in time if I was grading in the NFL. And this is a guy I think who he can get ahead of, you know, Mark Andrews. And that would be my comparison for who he is at this moment in time in the NFL. Whilst he does have some kittle qualities, certainly, and the Iowa connection makes you want to compare them to, I would say he's probably a little bit more in the vein of Mark Andrews, as in he can get up the seam and he makes a lot of those seam receptions. Um, and that's that, that's what I like about him. And that's why I think if he can add more touchdowns to his game, if he can increase his touchdowns from, say, six to, say, nine or ten, I think he could have a Pro Bowl-type season this year. I think I think you've made some really good points. I, I wanted to jump in quickly because, I mean, it's the Lions and it's, it's, it's Hawkins. And I, I, 
I think last year we did we struggled with red zone offense watching the Lions games in general. I think I think there's something to be said for scheme because I do think if they targeted Hawkinson more, he is a good red zone threat, and I think he can he can be successful in that um, area. I was curious. Do you think? Because he is he is a good blocker and he is a good receiver. He's not slow. Like he's a really good tight end in my opinion. Do you think? What do you think is the glare? Like do you think there's a particular thing? that he needs to break through to hit the next step of being the next best tight end in the league? I think he needs to stay fit. He's been banged up both of his seasons in the in, in, in the NFL. And I know he played 16 games last year, so he didn't actually miss any of that. But he was banged up for large like for, for portions of that. I think, if anything, he needs to stay fit. Um, he has to stop running hot and cold. There was games last year where he was just really, really dominant. He went on a little run in weeks 11, 12, and 13, where he had like 68 yards against the Panthers. He had 89 yards against the Texans. He had 84 yards against the Bears. In fact, the week after, which is the one where I thought he had a good game against the Panthers when I saw his touchdown catch, he had six receptions and 43 yards. Although 43 yards doesn't see many. It was the six receptions and the touchdown in that game that I was impressed with. But to put that in the comparison, when I say he needs to be more consistent, there was games against the Jags where he, where he only had 17 yards. Against the Saints, he only recorded nine yards. This was only a few weeks after Darren Waller had tore the Saints apart in week two in Las Vegas. You know, so there, there is games, you know, like where he's just been a non-factor. And I think that's the thing when you look at him and you look at those top three all those top two, you know, who were fit last season, Waller and Kelsey and Kittle when he's fit. They very rarely go missing, but I could count four or five games last year where Hawkinson was a non-factor. And that Saints game was really disappointing because, like I said, Waller tore that Saints secondary a new arsehole. They tried putting everybody on him. You know, they tried triple teaming him in the end. And he went for over 100 yards and I think about 12 or Exceptions, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But yet, two weeks later, Hawkinson could only get nine yards. I think if he wants to make that jump into the elite level, it would be classed as one of those three. You know, it'd be a fourth addition to them three. I think that's what we need to see him do. We need to see him be more dominant for longer stretches. We need to see him up his touchdowns from six to about nine or ten. That's good. I, I like. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair statement to make. Really, I'm just going to ask a more general question, um, and it isn't really about Hawkinson, although he's a good example of it. If you're playing for a team that isn't nationally sort of featured, like the Lions traditionally aren't, because you know the history of not necessarily being a top side, is it harder to stand out and seem like a breakout player? Like, does Hawkinson have to go further than say, I don't know another tight end on say? The Seahawks, for instance, or someone like that, a team that's nationally featured. Would 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 Hawkinson be as well thought of as Blake Jarwin, for example, who plays for the Cowboys, had he played in the Cowboys? Because look at the hype that guy got last year before he got injured. There's definitely something to it being the televised market. You know, like if you're gonna if you're coming from New York, you know, if you're a New York Jets player or you're a New York Giants player, or you're playing anywhere in the NFC East. You know, or you're playing in, you know, like in, in LA, you know, like, you know, like, like it's natural, it's more natural. You're going to be noticed more because that's got the biggest markets. And the reason why it's got the biggest markets is, is 
is that's why they put it on TV more. Um, I do think that Hawkinson will have to go somewhere to be noticed at Pro Bowl level. Because I think the Pro Bowl voting's really ski with when it's who the fans get to see. And if you're not playing on TV, then the fans aren't seeing you. The fans are seeing Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? Or, you know, that's who they're going to be seeing. They're going to be seeing Mark Andrews. And they're probably going to be seeing Kyle Pitts more in Atlanta than TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. So whilst I think that Hawkinson will have a better season, then arguably both of them, even Pitts as a rookie coming in, because I think Rutley struggled at tight end for the first year, but I, I kind of think Pitts will be the exception of that rule. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily get the credit he deserves and make that Pro Bowl, but I do think he'll have Pro Bowl-worthy statistics, if that makes sense, John, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, can you have a, a Pro Bowl season, but because you play Detroit or one of the less, sort of like the lesser featured franchises, does it, does it, hold you back i think it probably does and that's that's a good answer yeah i mean on my last point on hopkinson you know another reason and sorry bones you know that 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 lions team is built to lead from the front but if it's behind in games which is a good chance i will be given your record last year bones again sorry apologies you know they're going to be having to go at the air quite a lot especially late in games and like I said, Goff, uh, Jared Goff hasn't got many targets, which means if you're chasing seven points and there's three minutes left in the game, who do you think's getting fed the ball as often as possible? It's going to be Hawkinson who's going to be getting that ball slung. He's going to be the reliable target in that two-minute offense, in that three-minute offense. You know, so he's going to get opportunities here. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a thousand-yard season. I like to see him have an eighty-yard, uh, an 80-reception season. He got seventy-three last year. I'd like them to get 80, you know, like in a 17-game season. I'd like them to get 90, really. I think he's good for nine or ten touchdowns. You know, like I think a good season for him. And people will argue, well, Mark, he nearly got 800 yards yes, last year. He's not already broken out. But I think to be cast as a true breakout, you know, at least at least for Hawkinson in this case, 1,000 yards is the threshold. And I think he's capable of getting it for the Lions. Yeah, I think you made um, some cases and answered some um, any doubts. Um, if anyone had any about if a breakout season for Parkinson, um, I think go on. Then I'll t I'll take the reins next. Um, I'll I'll go with mine before you two go. And cause I'm, I think I'm just I'm kind of just excited to talk about him. Really, I'm a big I'm a big fan of this guy. He's a wide receiver for Chicago Bears. Daniel Munich going into his second year. You know, after his rookie year, and it's a bit similar to Hawkinson. He, he didn't have that bad of a year last year. You know, he's um, I think about six six hundred plus yards, just over maybe off for like um, over down here. Sixty one reception, one ninety eight targets, six three six hundred thirty one yards, only four touchdowns. But for for a rookie season, not too bad when your quarterbacks Mitchell Trubisky and um, I think Nick Foles were thrown in there a few times. You know, um, he's he's only five foot nine. He's not he's not, he's not the biggest. He's um, he's not very big. Like a, a big. Obviously, arrive. I think he's only 170 plus pounds, but obviously, I think I'll let. I know the questions probably going to be um, about the quarterback, so I'll leave that for now. But for me, he was going to be the number two going into this year anyway, and what he did. But he's definitely the number two now that Anthony Miller's gone over to the Texans. You know, he's he's the clear number two for me. Obviously, with Alan Robinson still there. But this guy, to say he's so small and like so light, you know, like I say, I think he's about 160 
176 pounds, sorry. But his catch radius is is unbelievable for a little man. You know, he's, he's some the, the, his reach and not just his reach that he holds on to the ball as well. You know, in if he went and obviously I can't, I'm not going to refer any now. But after just go look at some of his highlights of like catches, they're so far away from his body. Under throws from Trubisky, you know, like with throws from that should be right into his grasp. You know, on the run. Still making catches, you know, he's um, and he's and he's got everything in his locker as well. He's not just um, a speedster down, you know, to to stretch the field. He's got all the moves that you want. You know, you, you can do anything you, you you like, really. You know, fantastic drag routes, slant routes, you know, out routes, everything. He's he's got it all. Um, like I said, the, the I, I, I won't I won't I won't mention the quarterback yet, but yeah, he's um, I really like him and like six hundred. I think 630 yards he had last year, 631, I think I said. I really think he can reach that 1,000 yards dependent on certain things, which I'm sure you're, you're going to ask me. But I've heard rumours that Alan Robinson's going to go into the to the slot this year, so he'll be on the outside a lot more. But he can play the slot as well. He's, he's so versatile, this lad. You know, fifth round, they picked him up. Fifth round, you know, like it's an unbelievable steal on what we saw last year. So, obviously, the Bears have had their problems before on offense but before i've got like i'm similar to mike i've got a few things here that i can say but i'll let you if you throw the throw it out to you if you've got any, any anything that i can answer you help go on i'll ask you first go on you know, mooney, mooney when i think of Don, not donnell mooney i like them i like them you know what i mean jordan i'm like you i like them coming out the 2019 draft you know he was he was fast you know he ran a really quick 40 time he ran a four three i think it was a Four three five or might be in a four three eight or something like that. Like you know, he came out with Tulane, and I liked him. He's one of them that was slept on a little bit, but he started rising up the boards, didn't he? Towards the end, I remember Daniel Jeremiah liked him and a lot of the coverage that he did. People were talking about maybe going as high as a third round in the end, especially after that forty time. But when I think about what he did in Chicago last year, his average yards per reception was actually only ten yards. Now that was because of Mitchell Trubisky's inaccuracy down the field that's because mitch trubisky couldn't drop a couldn't drop a bucket in a swimming pool over 30 yards you know what i mean he couldn't he couldn't drop a football in a swimming pool over 30 yards his his his, his accuracy down the field was i would throw a better deep ball at trubisky so i'm guessing that mooney was probably open more often than, than those 60 660, uh, 660 yards would, would represent so you know like and regardless of what you think of andy dalton or whether you think it's going to be just in field storm. Andy Dalton can throw an all right deep ball. He hasn't got the biggest arm, the red rifle, but he can throw an accurate deep ball. And I think moving Mooney out of the slot and to the Z receiver position, playing the speed flanker, letting them get deep more, and having somebody like Fields or if it's Dalton, Dalton, being able to drop the ball into him. I'm just guessing, looking at his yards per reception, 10 yards per reception. And the fact that he's got like 4-3 speed tells me that Mitch Trubisky just couldn't hit him when he was open. He was probably over-firing him or throwing God knows where. Not position safety. You know what I mean? No, that's probably where he was throwing to. So I'm with you on this, Jordan. I do think that we can see more in the deep game from him because he's clearly been able to do it in the short yardage game. You know, if, if, if he's got 660 yards, you know, 10 yards of reception. He's doing all right in the short yardage game. But yeah, coming into the NFL, that wasn't even his strength. 
think he hit the nail on the head there because when I went back and looked at a few highlights before over like over the weekend, I just wanted to go back and, and, and look. It's been so long since I've seen him this season. The amount of times, like you said, that Trubisky, there were so many times that he just left the um, cornerbacks for dead and he's, he's looking for the ball and he's coming back to get it. But the, the great thing about that, I so saw obviously you want it in front of you so you can run in a touchdown. He was coming back and actually catching these balls, you know, these balls that are away from him, he were making catches. And I'm sure, I'd, like all of you will remember, the um, the stop and go that he did on um, Jalen Ramsey, you know, it absolutely left him for dead. And what, where were the ball? <laughs> no, I mean, Seamus was risky overthrew him. So I think this is, like you said, I think it, you got it spot on, really. You know, it's, we don't know what we're going to expect. Like I said, Andy Dalton, there's talk of Andy Dalton starting Justin Fields, maybe. What, like I said, Andy Dalton can throw a deep ball. I'm a big fan of Justin Fields. If he starts off and, and gets, into the rhythm straight away. I think it's going to benefit him, but obviously we, we will see. But um, there's one stat that I saw with, um, I, I've never even heard of this stat before. Mark, you're, you're the experienced NFL guy. It's um, what's, it's, it's called um, a cushion, you know, like the cushion yards of, um, when, you, when you receive your tight end lines up, the, the cushion distance between the, the cornerback or whoever's marking and Daniel Mooney had the highest average of what yards that they give give him because they're so scared of his pace. I think it was something like seven point six yards of like distance that they leave between him because they're so scared of of what he can get behind them. And this is is this is people like Janaris Jenkins, you know, um, top cornerbacks. Um, the guy out of Green Bay, um, Jar Alexander. These are good cornerbacks that are fearing him, and he's beating them for for pace. And when you're giving so much space like that. Yeah, the 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 um the slants and the outs and the ins open up for you because there's so much. So that's why um I think they can do what they want with him. I'm not saying Matt Nagy and Co will be able to do it. We a lot of people have um a bit on the fence with Matt Nagy and things there. You know, we will see. But I think the what they can do with him is so diverse. He's he's such a talent. Like, and I don't I don't speak highly of Chicago Bears very much but this guy is, is absolutely fantastic I'm just going to come back on one point I'm just looking at pro football reference which is where I look at quite regularly for the you know like offensive player statistics because they break things down really quite well there and there's two stats which are leaping off the page to us obviously there's the you know like the yards per reception which we talked about early the yards per target per target only 6.4 Six point yards per six point four yards per target. Talking about a guy with four three speed, in 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 you're playing him in this ding and dunk. You know six six point four yards average target depth. You know, but one one statistic, Jordan, which I feel has got to get better, is his catch percentage. His catch percentage was sixty two percent last year. You now I feel like that's got to get better. I know that some of that might be down to Trubisky's accuracy and how often was Trubisky putting it in a position where the cornerback had a chance. But that catch percentage, he's got to get better at the catch point. He's got to get better at fighting for the ball, at using his body to fend off a corner, whatever it may be. Because that catch percentage has got to come up a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like it, it, a lot of it could be from quarterbacks. And to be honest with you, me, me thinking it's going to be a breakout 
season. I'm hoping because I'm a big fan, Justin Fields is going to come in. Maybe not straight away. I don't know when it is, but I am a big fan of Justin Fields. I think he can perform in the NFL. And I'm hoping, I'm seeing it where if it does run smoothly, you know, I think he's an intelligent lad. I think he can come into this offense and do a job, a lot better job than Mitchell Trubisky, you know, no disrespect. You know, even now, I'm just hoping that comes through. That's where I see a breakout, you know, obviously it could go the other way, you know, with the quarterback situation, you know, like I'm, I'm not saying maybe as bad as, as Mitchell Trubisky, but it still might be on the other side of it where you're looking and it's maybe not where you want to be on the quarterback side and he might struggle again. But I'm I'm just seeing, I just love Justin Fields, you know, like, and I think I'm hoping they get him in sooner rather than later. But even Andy Dalton can do a job. We've, we've seen like him, him do it before. He's getting on a bit, but at least he's got some kind of accuracy there. No, I agree. I agree. And I think as well with Justin Fields, if it was Justin Fields starting, when you've got a quarterback who can scramble like Fields and can keep the play alive, it naturally plays into the hands of small, shifty, fast receivers like Darnell Murray. Because when plays when plays break down, do you know what doesn't break down? Top end speed. You know what I mean? And when the corners kind of like, do I run down now? And do I is 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 the quarterback going to try and tuck it under his arm and run as his plays breaking down? He's having to break the pocket and cornerback start getting caught into two minds. Do I go with my wide receiver or do I now coming forward to make this tackle? You know, like. Justin Fields can throw off any platform. You know, he can almost be like Mahomes, like he can look like he's falling away and sling a ball, you know, like 40 yards. I think yeah. I think Rooney could could do well on those kind of ad-lib kind of play breaking down plays, I suppose. Yeah, I think um before we get into the next one of the next two, I think as well, I think it's the case with all our four picks. And it, and it is a it is a is a a big a big deal really with no training camps and no OTAs last season you know they're going to get that this year you know it is a it is a big thing you know like being there with on the field you know like talking you know like learning you know like getting to know your the players around you rather than doing it over zoom i think that could be a big beneficial to this year as well i wanted to touch on something that was brought up there that i do think is quite interesting because like whilst we've been having this discussion like having a peer at um some Darnell Mooney tape, basically, just seeing what the Bears actually do. Because obviously, we play against them twice a year, so I got to see him a couple of times. Um, but I don't follow the Bears that much because you're my divisional rivals. I'm not going to watch your games. Um, like the, the the Bears scheme, like what they decided to do with him. Like most of the plays that you see from him are crossing routes, barely in front of the line of scrimmage, short yardage. Like try and get him in some open space, but not getting him in open space beyond the line to gain like beyond the first yard first down line like it, it's always just in front of the line of scrimmage a couple yards and then try and get yak which i wonder if that is part of his average being low is they're just not using him right in the scheme like you're trying to use your speedster as an underneath threat rather than an over-the-top threat is that something you did mention you were thinking you heard rumors of people changing positions do you think that's something the bears are going to do differently this year do you think they're going to actually utilise his speed as an over-the-top threat rather than trying to get him underneath and hope that he can just run it and make the space on his own without... Do you know what I mean? Like, I hope yeah. I'm explaining myself. No, I think, like, when I was reading about it, like, obviously, this is just what you've heard. You never know what's going to happen until you get on the field in week one or in the, well, week one preseason. But I have heard that Alan Robinson is going to go into the slot and, like Mark said, he, he probably would become, the, like, the main Z receiver. I don't to say that you won't see him in the slot as well, but 
um, yeah, it, it's one of them where it's like that. It, it is built for him the way he is to to be that kind of player, but that is one of his main attributes. But he can do other things as well. But we'll we'll see. It's got it's obviously it's a lot hard to do when your quarterback can't throw a deep ball. You know, it's hard to get him into into things like that. So if Andy Dalton starts week one, even Justin Fields, you know, they might use him more in the Z on the outside. You know, to as um, to get bound down the field, you know, and uh, make these big plays. I think he's got really good talent. I just think he's in the maybe in the wrong offense. Um, but having said that, the whole dynamic changes. If the quarterback change, I suppose it has changed already. But if it changes to fields as well, the dynamic changes. The nice advantage that he has because of his skill set. Although you would like to see him go for more deep balls and such, he's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to be a volume guy because. Somebody like even Dalton to an extent, but certainly Fields as well. They're going to be looking to those guys, you know, the slot, the slot guys. It's a popular position now in the NFL as well. You know, it's it's a third down role a lot of the time, but also you know you are seeing it more often than not now. Three wideouts, and I think he could really make some noise. It's just about getting that production out of the offense. Now it should be at least average this year, which it definitely wasn't last year. So I'm hoping that that means that it will drag his numbers further up because he was a bright spot on a bad team last year. So I'm I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty bullish on him. I think he's a good player. What would a what would a good what would a breakout season look like from Jordan? You're you're saying he's your breakout player. What would you like to see? What would you count as a breakout season for Darnell Mooney? Would it be something like fifty receptions and say like eight hundred yards and five or six touchdowns? Would it be something around that? I was thinking if everything goes right for him, like he hit, like he hit sixty one receptions last year. If he can get sixty one to to well, sixty to seventy receptions, and then get up to close to a thousand, you know. But I look at the touchdowns as well. I like I don't know, like I say, I don't know, I don't know how much they used him in the red zone and stuff with Alan Robinson and um, Cole Cole Komet, isn't it the quarterback? Um, I don't know how much they used him in the red zone with him being a, a smaller receiver, but the four touchdowns. But that might come with. Obviously, getting the ball downfield deeper, you know, like you might be, get, be getting more touchdowns. But I'd say if you can get close to, maybe I'm being a bit too steep there and stuff, but nine, nine eight, yeah, like 800, 900 yards off the similar reception. He's, um, he's putting on an extra nearly 300, 300 yards, you know, as the number two, you know, like obviously Alan Robinson is still there. He's getting on a bit now. But I don't know what he finished on last year, Alan Robinson, to be honest with you. But yeah, if he can get close to them numbers, it's, and a step in the right direction. It all, be, I think it'll, it's it's an obvious thing to, to see, and it's it's all going to depend on the quarterback again. But I think he's very capable with either one of them coming in and, and starting, you know, to get um, further up the further up the re- receptions and and the yards. So yeah, Remember, I was I was I was thinking similar. To you, I was thinking like fifty to sixty receptions, less receptions, but more big player receptions. You know, like more, more, because he's not going to be a red zone target. You're not going to be thrown to a five foot eight, five foot, 160 yard, five foot 10, 160 yard pound guy in the red zone. But if you can, if you can become a, legit, a legitimate home run threat, you know, when they're looking deep and they land it on him, if he can have 50 to 60 receptions, kick his yardage up to like 800 yards with that big play factor equated into it, and turn his touchdowns into like six, seven, eight touchdowns, that would mean he's becoming this big play player which i think is what he is that doesn't negate the fact that he can still do a lot of things underneath but i would like to see him become more home run you know more like you know like 
passing on first downs, let's put this bomb out and let's see him take a 30-yard reception or maybe go from the house from, like, you know, the 30-yard line or something like that, a 70-yard reception, because he's capable of that, like, you know. I think um, just a quick one before I get bolting, because we probably had enough uh, best talk for his liking. Um, but it's like it's like you said there. Like we some, sometimes we we're so obsessed with fantasy football. Fantasy football is fantastic. We're so obsessed with it. But at the end of the day, it's what a player can do for your team to contribute to winning games, getting to the playoffs and stuff. You know, it's not about getting as many yards as you can for your fantasy points. So if you look at uh, Daniel Mooney as a wide receiver too, you want him to get wide receiver two numbers and a bit more to it's going to help it's going to benefit your team and get you to the playoffs potentially so yeah i'll, I'll leave it as there because like i said we've got a lions we've got a lions fan you don't want to hear much about bears so i'll come on to you bones i'll let you talk about the player you've picked ah thank you it's not too bad we got to talk about the lions to first so so it's not a problem but um no, I chose someone that I, I have to caveat mine slightly was similar to Mark. I, I guess you could say in a way this guy's first year was a bit of he did a breakout he had a bit of a breakout year in his first year anyway, but part of the reason I wanted to talk about him was I felt he was he, he hasn't been talked about as much as he probably should have, in my opinion, after his first season, and that is uh Brandon Ayuk at the San Francisco 49ers, which is John's team. Um so I think the thing about Ayuk is like I said, I don't think he's been talked about enough. I don't think that it's necessarily i still think he can have a better season next year on top of this i don't think he had a bad first season that's part of the reason i wanted to talk about him i think he i know there's no doubting that jefferson had the number one wide receiver rookie this year but i think i think how you could be in fair contention for number two up there with lamb you know and judy and people like that he had comparable yardage he, he played well and i just think I'm very interested to see what this guy does next year. And there were a few points about watching his play from last year that I did want to bring up. I think the detractors from this guy will say, oh, he's just good at getting schemed open by Shanahan. It's all Shanahan-like. And whilst there is something to be said for that, Shanahan's scheme is a good scheme, it, you can you still have to have the player. And the thing about Ayuk is he was noticeably a good scheme fit even in his college days. Like When you look back at it and when you look back at the pick, you can see how he was going to fit into Shanahan's scheme from the get-go. It doesn't, and at the end of the day, he was picked to go there. Like, yeah, all right. Say he's getting schemed open, but he fits well in that scheme, and he is part of his success. Um, there's something I talk about a lot when we come to wide receivers. I think, and I think it will be noticed if you've watched all of the stuff that the overtime group have done. Is when it comes to wide receivers, I like clean route runners. I don't necessarily look for the highest top end speed, but if your routes are if they're on point, like you're doing exactly 10 yards out and then cutting in, like you're not going 11 yards, you're not going nine yards, you're hitting exactly 10 yards and cutting in. That's, I like to see that. And I think Ayuk is a good, he's a clean route runner, but he's also a smart route runner. You'll see him if he's going on, in, if he's going on like a post route, he'll fade outside at the start and then cut in to sort of try and bait people into coming outside or he'll turn completely away from the quarterback to snap back into the inside of the field. Like he's got, such quick turnaround on faking out defenders. I think it's really, it's it's great to watch. And I, I, again, I do think it's not as talked about as it could be in this 49ers offense. Because um, again, it's all about the scheme. It's all about Shanahan's scheme. But this guy plays really well in it. Um, he's really good in uh, open space, in my opinion, like from watching what he plays. And you can see it in college, they threw him a lot of screen passes, give him, give him the space, give him a couple blockers. Um, and I think they did that in the 49ers offense 
as well, we saw he had a couple of rushing plays where they were end-around routes, basically, where he'd, he'd come around the back and he'd come up behind a couple of blockers. And he, again, smart. This is something that comes up with this guy a lot. He, you'll see wide receivers, when they're handed off the ball like that to do run plays, just burn it up the field as fast as they can. But you see how you take a couple of steps, let his blockers get set up, and then play from behind his blockers. And it's just smart stuff like that. It's, I really think this guy's set for being like, one of the Niners' best receivers, and it's it's a it's a tough group, I think, because you've got three, including a really good receivers. There, Kittle is obviously up there. Samuel, when they're he- when they're both healthy, last year is a bad example of a year to look at. But um, yeah, he he can beat man coverage. We saw that when um, the Niners played the Pats. The Pats had some success against Baltimore running man defense to stop what they were doing, um, and Ayuk still successfully beat the man coverage, so it didn't really stop. The Niners, like it did the the Ravens. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think with a healthy Jimmy G or Trey Lance, whoever ends up starting for them, the Forty Niners playing throwing to him next year, rather than Nick Mullins, who is a serviceable backup quarterback, but he is exactly that. He's a serviceable backup. He's not your starting quarterback by any stretch. I think there's every chance this guy has a better season again, and he already had. Basically, an 850 yard season. He was 12 and a half yard average when he was catching with 77 yards running and a couple touchdowns there. I think we'll probably, I, I imagine we'll see him feature in the run game even more next year because he, he did have some really good standout moments in the run game. Um, the only other point I wanted to say was coming out of the draft, he's 4 5 40. People might have said. He's not that fast, but I think when you watch him play, you know, we have those players where people talk about the 40 speed and then their in-game speed, their playing speed. And this guy sometimes, you could mistake him for a 4-3-40 receiver in some plays. His off-the-line speed, his first few steps, like, they're really good. His 10-yard split is good, was good on the 40. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think this guy plays better than he's given credit for. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he'll have a good year next year. And I'll open it up. Sorry, I've rambled a bit. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose I'm a 49ers fan, so I should probably respond to that. Um, Brandon Ayuk was one of the only players worth watching last season. Uh, speaking as a 49ers fan, obviously we, we had the had a rather tough season, but I thought he was he was tremendous. A couple of points I would pick up on. You you said about people say, oh, you know, Shanahan schemes people open. There's an element of truth to that. Like, there's definitely some players that have had big years in Shanahan systems that, you know, that wouldn't anywhere else. Taylor Gabriel springs to mind. But what I would say is, yes, he can do that, but he, he also likes having that top end talent at that position. I actually think that you have to look at when when he was drafted to us, and obviously in 2020, uh, we ended up with two first round picks because we traded up to get Ayuk. Um, if he'd have wanted to take you know, a Jerry Judy or um, I'm trying to think if Ruggs went before him. I think he may have done. Yeah, Judy was still on the board. You went back and got Kinlaw instead. That's right. Judy and C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb was the other guy I was trying to think of. We're both on the board at the time. And heavy rumours was we were kind of interested in both of those. He went with Kinlaw instead. And we thought that was basically the end of bringing in another, another weapon. But then he trades up and gets. So this is a guy that he's chosen. And there's obviously a reason that he's picked him. Similarly with uh, Debo Samuel, who's going to be playing opposite, we traded up for him in the second round. Shanahan knows what he wants out of receivers. And for him to pick Ayuk, I think he's a big, big thing. And he, like I said, he was, he was tremendous last year. Um, 
you can't put too much stock in his numbers because that passing game was, I mean, atrocious is probably too kind a of word for it in some of the games. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the threat that it will be this year, regardless of what people think of Garoppolo or, or Lance. It's going to be a better offense this year, and I think he will benefit from that. One thing you didn't touch on, and I'm not 100% sure this will happen, it's just been speculated on, we are looking for some punt returner. We've tried a few people at that position. It would be risky to try a starter there, but he's one of those players that, and you rightly said it about him in the run game too, you want to get the ball in his hands. And I think we may end up going with that. I could see him having a really good year. I think he could be one of those players who, if you don't watch the 49ers every week, you see on red zone making ridiculous plays. And that's probably how these players become popular. That's probably how these players, you know, do break out and become sort of nationally known. The only issue that he's got is we're quite built around George Kittle and to an extent Samuel. But I think he's, he, there isn't a one and a two receiver for us. It's kind of one A and one B. So I think, I don't think it'll have a huge impact on his numbers. So yeah, I'm pretty, I, I mean, obviously I, I'm never going to complain if Sunday picks a 49ers player to break out. But at the same time, I think if I was picking somebody from our offense, that's what I would have gone with. So, solid pick, I would say. I think you touched on something there that I did I did consider and I hadn't actually brought up. Not the punt return a bit, but the, the whether you have a true wide receiver one at the Niners. I think... For I to Ayuk's credit, I don't think he'll ever be a true wide receiver one. I don't think in any offense this guy plays like as good as he is. I don't think he is a true wide receiver. One. I do think you want him in in the two. I do think you want him as you uh, in the Niners' offense the one B. And I think he's he's good there and he will work there every single time. We saw it in his first year. I just I think he could in a in a better Niners year in a better offense with healthier quarterbacks. I think he could have a thousand yard season easily. I think he should. I hope he does, but yeah, easily. And maybe more than... I mean, seven touchdowns isn't bad. It's just two of them were rushing and he's a wide receiver. So I'd hope to see a bit of an increase in how many receiving touchdowns he gets, I guess, what would be. What we do with him doing is becoming a red zone threat because that is something that the 49ers have lacked pretty much the entire time I've been watching them. We've never really had... Maybe Anquan Bolden when we had him, but we've never really had that guaranteed go-to guy in the red zone. And, and Shanahan traditionally has had that of course he had Julio Jones which is a large part of the reason why but you know like that is missing from this team so if he could become that suddenly his touchdown numbers go up as well I think he's he's a really interesting player I don't see him taking a step backwards he may stay the same but I certainly don't think he's going to get any worse Um, so yeah I'm quite intrigued to see what he does this year yeah, I'm. Um, I, I loved him coming out of college. You know, in, when he at the Sun Devils, you know, he were, he, he were such a just a highlight reel to watch in college. I think, like, I think you touched on it, John. I think the only concern I'll, I have is if George Kittle is fully fit for the full full season. You know, I think when I was looking at the stats before, I think they, I think they only played about seven games together, and I think five of them he had three touches or less, and it were like forty yards. Or, or, or below, you know, like I'm not, I'm obviously, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but that would be my only concern, really. You know, they've got such um, a deep reception thing. They've got definitely Debo Samuels there. Um, I'm not saying he's going to get touches, but Sanu's come over as well, you know. So that, that would be my only concern is if, if he gets as many touches with Kittle, if Kittle gets through a full season, but it's it, I do think um, 
I do think if Kittle comes back, there is the chance that he might not see as much of the ball. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that last year he did have Mullins throwing to him. Like his receptions, <laughs> his receptions weren't bad, but there were passes that were were errant passes and stuff like that. And I think more consistency in the passing game might see his his yardage be more consistent across yeah. each pass. Like I. I guess that's that's the only thing I, say. I I I get it though. Kittle coming back, he's he is your number one target of the Niners. It's just teams know that you need and you need someone else to throw to in case. Like I, I I just think he's got the talent, and I'd really hope that he he does get more this year. I mean, even in the Super Bowl year, obviously everybody knew Kittle was the number one target. You could argue that was a hindrance in the end because although Samuel had a very good season, he wasn't getting a ton of you know he wasn't getting a ton of the ball. I think. Ayuk is the other threat now, and I think hopefully we're going to develop the offense to the point where all three of them are getting pretty good touches because teams are going to try and take Kittle away. You know, we we snuck up on the league in 2019, really, and he was injured most of last season. I think even towards the end of 2019, teams were focusing on on dealing with Kittle, so I'm expected to see that continue. So we do need another another solid option, and I think he's he's the obvious candidate. But he's a he's a home run threat. We've used that phrase as well. He's a home run threat because of his speed, largely. You know, he is capable of getting behind defenders. And you need that in our in our division because if you think about some of the defences we play, it's a lot of press man coverage and it's a lot of, you know, tight lockdown, attempted man-to-man. If we've got somebody that can beat that, as you say he did against the Patriots, then, it, you know, it does change the game. Anybody with anybody with that skill set changes how, changes how the game works, you know, changes what the game is for... For an offense, so yeah, I, I like. I can't wait to see what Shannon does with him. To be honest, it's an amazing what a quarterback can do. You know, I was looking at that and I was thinking, Brandon Ayuk. Let's see if he. First of all, like I'm like you, he's probably the third receiving option on that team behind Kittle and Debo, but he's got the potential to be the number two ahead of Debo. Can establish himself is that you know like is the lead wide out instead of Debo. Both of them are very similar. Both of them run good routes. Both of them. You know, like a good yards after catch. Both of them can run the ball as well themselves. You know, that we used in the running game. John made a really good point. This was Shanahan's guy. He traded up to get this guy. Deliberately give capital to get this guy. Like Trey Lance. This is his choice. You know, so when I think about number two wide receivers, I think who's the best number two wide receiver in the NFL? And I think Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's the best number two wide receiver in the NFL. If Mike Evans is the best, is the number one in Tampa, Godwin's his number two, and he's the best number two in the NFL. You know, like he could, he could be a number one on most teams, but for Tampa, he's a number two. So obviously, Chris Godwin's got Tom Brady thrown to him. Brian Ayuk last year had Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo for part of it, bit of a mishmash. I think Beth Hard even threw a few passes last year. So yeah. we saw a bit of everybody at some point thrown for the round, uh, thrown for the 49ers. What we'll have, right, okay, is we'll have Brandon Ayuk, who has a 62.3% catch average. Sorry, 62.5% catch average. So he's catching the out of the targets he's getting, he's catching 62 and a half percentage of them. Chris Godwin is catching 77 and a half. That's the difference, and that's what elite. That's what elite receivers can do. Elite receivers really want to be catching, you know, like three quarters of the ball that are thrown in their direction. 75% is the threshold you want to see for somebody who's doing 
you know that, that was making that elite jump you know we talked about mooney before and so i would like to see mooney get above 70 percent but if van Eyck really wants to be this team's number two wide receiver i think he has to be having yes and yeah we have to be we have to be seeing him catch three quarters of the balls out through 75 percent has got to go into his hands um and there's no reason why that shouldn't happen if he's got somebody better throwing the ball i'm not saying garoppolo and trey lance or tom brady you know what i mean but you know like they're, they're certainly better than nick mullins and and beth Hard at some point like you know another little thing that i wanted to make is um you know we talked about darnell mooney how he was badly used or used improperly in a um in an offense i think brand you could just landed in the perfect team from you know what i mean what 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 they want to do you know what what shanahan wants to do you know what what he builds his offense on again when they're going to be playing in that 21 personnel you know like good luck picking your poison with players like Ayuk, see debo samuel and ed and kettle you know like on, on in that receiving core because all of them can do similar things and good luck trying to find out which one is the design play threat like you know I, th yeah, I think, I think uh, these are all fair points to be honest like about Ayuk. i think I, it's like i said at the start a part of this was i i <laughs> As much as I do think he could have a better year next year, I did want to touch on the fact that I just felt he'd not been talked about enough this year, in a way. But no, I agree. I do think that there's those. There is the room for other healthier people to to step up, and I do think his catch percentage needs to go up. But I do think there's there's as much errant passes and quarterback rotation causes those as as dropped passes. So hopefully, the ten percent that he's missing is is quarterback error, not receiver error. But We'll see next year, I hope. Like Yeah. What would be a good season for him, John? You know, your 49ers fan. What would you like to see from Brian Ayuk? What would you what would you think is a good breakout worthy season for that kid? That's an interesting one. I think I think I hit on the I think Bones kinda of hits on it earlier. It's the total touchdowns needs to go up. We need him to be a threat, you know, to get in the end zone. I don't think his yardage totals were that bad. Seven hundred and fifty yards last year. If you can up that to close to a thousand, that's a you know that's a good season. If he gets a thousand, that's a brilliant season. But I'd love to see him getting in the end zone a little bit more. At the moment, it feels like, and I could be wrong about this, but it feels like the only people that get in the end zone for the 49ers generally are one of the running backs or George Kittle. We need somebody on the outside to get in the end zone more. I know Samuel does it to a to a degree, but I think I think Ayuka's got a little bit more home run to him. Samuel is a, Samuel's my favourite Forty Niners player. I'm not. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna pull the punches on that one. He's he's my favourite player, but I, I don't think he's that guy. I think Ayuk is that guy, and that's probably what you want. Uh, you know, a, a, a match of sort of smash mouth and a bit more. You know, somebody who's a bit more of a deep threat. So yeah, more more, more touchdowns. 10, 15 touchdowns. I think he's had a good yeah. season. And um, I think, um, I know we're talking about players, but if um, San Francisco get that quarterback position right, they're going to be scary, scary good on offense. So that leaves <laughs> us with John, JP. You're, you're the last one to see us yeah. out. breakout candidate on offense. So, naturally, we couldn't pick players from our own team. I don't know if we didn't specify that, but we couldn't pick players from our own team. So I started looking around for some franchises that I was sort of high on when we did the divisional breakdowns and, some of the players in there that might be, uh, you know, that might be 
on the verge of a breakout. And I ended up looking at Washington quite closely. Um, and I went with Antonio Gibson, the running back. It's hard to break out as a running back now because so many, so many uh, teams in the NFL are, are running by committee and you know different things like that. And even in Washington, there's a there's a fair bit of, of running back depth there. JD McKissick, um, in particular, had a pretty big year last year catching the ball. I don't think he did much as a runner, but you know he, he had a pretty solid year. Um, but I, I really like this guy. The more I started to look into Antonio Gibson, the more impressed I was. I mean, it, it's one of those. It's a, it was a strange offense last year. They didn't have a lot going in the passing game. We all know the reasons why they didn't really have a quarterback. You know, obviously Alex Smith is not not especially not looking especially uh, healthy. Um, the end of the season was I can't even remember the guy's name. I've completely blanked. Who's, who started in the playoff game for them? Um, the quarterback. I forgot. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know he did pretty well, but beyond that, they didn't really have much of anything. So it was a run-first offense, I think, in large part because it had to be. But also, like Ron Rivera is a pretty, pretty run-first, you know, kind of guy as a head coach. Obviously, as an ex-player, ex-Chicago Bear. Look at his Panthers teams, that sort of thing. You know, they're a heavy run team, and when you look at when you look at his stats, Antonio Gibson, he had a really good season. I've started looking at the PFF stuff, which I've uh, which I've got into recently. Uh, thanks to Mark for uh, lending me the subscription. But I was uh, I was looking at some of his stats, and he had a eighty five point three rushing grade, which was top five in the league. Now that, that's pretty impressive on a team where everybody knows you're going to run. Um, he ended up with eleven touchdowns as well, which is a pretty good number, I would say. Obviously, like McKissick was taking a few away from him. You know, one or two other things going on. But I thought he had a pretty good year. One of the stats that jumped out was the uh, he had the lowest stuff rate of any running back, I believe. Um, he um, very rarely gets stopped behind the line of scrimmage. And I think in, a, in an offense like theirs last year, that's pretty impressive. Um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, a guy who came up statistically. Apparently, he was the first Washington rookie to get 1,000 yards from scrimmage since Alfred Morris. Now, Alfred Morris is not a particularly well-known name, but I remember him being in the Shanahan offense, ironically, at Washington, and he had an absolutely storming year, and he actually went on to have a pretty good career in the NFL. Um, I think there are some similarities here. Some interesting bits with Gibson, of course. He he drafted out of Memphis in the third round, um, but he's actually a receiver at Memphis. wasn't a running back. He's kind of one of those players that's been been moved around a little bit what it does mean in terms of running back and we talk about this all the time on this program um kind of like you you only have a certain amount of carries in a running back so obviously the lighter they used in college the more you're going to get out of them in the pros so i think you know he's probably at a stage where he's not really got that much tread on his tires he carried the ball a fair bit last year but in college he didn't the slightly surprising bit being that he's an ex-receiver is his receiving stats weren't brilliant now some of that is Again, the passing game, but McKissick was taking a lot of the receiving role. Um, so I'd like to see that improve. That's about the only thing that I looked at and thought, and I wish he was a little bit better. His receiving grade was a bit in the 50s, I think. It wasn't wasn't great. That said, he still had quite a few catches. You know, I think I think this is a team that is going to build around its running backs. If you think if you think of Ron Rivera's offenses historically, They've had those sort of running backs, you know, D'Angelo Williams, um, Jonathan Stewart, uh, Christian McCaffrey even. One of the comparisons that's been coming up recently is uh, I've seen the nickname knocking about that Antonio Gibson is the DC CMC, which I think might be a little too high a ceiling for, uh, 
for him. But I, I do I, I see where the comparison comes from playing style wise. I'm not saying ability is at the same level, but I do kind of see it. Um, it's tough being a, a, a running back in your second year. A lot of running backs have took the world by storm in the rookie year and not done much in the second year. Doug Martin um, is probably the biggest example of that. The old uh, the old muscle hamster, I think he called himself. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's a lot to like about this, and one of the biggest things to like about him is the change in the offense. Obviously, they've gone out and got Fitzpatrick, who is not a listen. He's not going to move the needle. He's not a brilliant quarterback. He's not a top ten quarterback, but he is better than what they had, and he is going to make them probably league average passing game wise. Probably maybe a little bit higher. I don't think they, I don't think they're going to be tremendous, but they're not going to be awful, and it stops teams stacking the box. Some of the more interesting stuff, obviously, they got Terry McLaurin. They got um, Curtis Samuel brought over in free agency. who's a player I really like. Obviously, he kind of fills that hybrid role as well. I'm interested to see what happens when he gets Gibson and Samuel on the field. Um, I think there could be some, some, you know, some potential for some swapping around there. They've also got Diame Brown, who was, who was a really good player, I really like coming out of college. So I think there's a lot of threats on that offense, but I think that will open the run game up. I think this is a team that is going to prefer to run the ball, be ahead, you know, keep keep running the ball and just try and control the clock as well because that takes some pressure off the passing game. So, all in all, I'm seeing a pretty good season for him. I don't know, numbers-wise, he had a pretty solid year last year. I think the I think the closest comparison or the leap he would hope to take is probably that of somebody like David Johnson. Uh, when he was at the Cardinals, obviously his career's kind of tailed off since then. But he, he became a very sort, sort of solid all-round. He probably won't get to the stage where he's running for like 1,400 yards and nearly 1,000 yards receiving. But I think he, that should be his aim. That should be. I'm not saying he'll get there, but I think I think he's got a high ceiling as a player. And I I, I will look forward to seeing him in that Washington office. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And if they're going to be good in leading games, they're going to need a good running back to control those games. And I think he could well be, he could well be that guy. So yeah, it was he's not a name I'm that familiar with until this week. Obviously, when we started looking at researching this, but the more I read, the more I liked, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does this year. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Antonio Gibson, to be honest with you, especially coming out of college. You know, like I say, he did he did swap roles during there, but I just look at. I think he probably would have had more yards. I think early on the Washington defense didn't really get going as much as we saw at the end of last season. Mm. So they were always behind in games. So they ended up like throwing the ball a lot more. So Antonio Gibson didn't see as as many reps as he probably would have done. You know, in um, if if they were if it were closer games. And I think next season the Washington defense will be primed and ready to go straight off. You know, with, with the players they've got, they've got. Fantastic, fantastic defense, you know. So I think he'll he'll see the ball a lot more. I know, I know what you're saying about um, having um, like a, a running back tandem with J.K. McKissick, but he took a lot of the um, passing, yeah. passing offense. And I, I think the two of his best games are when Antonio Gibson were injured. So I, I do think he'll get more. So I, I see why he would definitely could be a potentially breakout player. And um, I, and I think he will get four figures to be honest with you if uh, that defense plays well. I'll let, I'll let you go, Matt. No, no, you know, I was just thinking, I was I, I was, I was, just thinking, you know, like, I thought you had a really good year last year. And to be honest with you, he would have been a thousand-yard runner last year had he not got injured. He missed two games for injury. And he only actually started 10 games last year. Yeah. He only actually started 10 games last year. So he played 14 games, of which 10 he started. Um, 
so Jay, the McKissick was ahead of him for some part of it, you know. Um, I've been reading things about training camp. I've been looking at things, you know, Antonio Gibson. You know, there's a lot of fantasy leagues being drafted now. So naturally, you look at what you know, what what the what the news reports of players who you might be looking at fantasy. Not that this is a fantasy pod, but that's how I've been looking at Gibson because I've been thinking, oh, do I fancy maybe fantasy leagues? And everything I've been reading from Mon Rivera and from the staff in Washington is this is our number one back. This is our number one back. This is the guy who's going to see the bulk of the carries. I think he might have been protected a little bit last year at the start of his career because he was a wide receiver in Memphis, even though he made that switch to running back, you know, in the pros. Um, but I think this year you'll just see him as a bona fide star, and I think you'll see McKissick as the third down back in that situation. And I think this kid can be a three down back as well. He's got the build, 220 pounds. Yeah. You know, he's, he's six foot one. He's got a good size for a number one running back. Um, he can clearly catch the ball because he used to be a wide receiver in football. Run blocking is what he had to get better on. Um, but judging by how many snaps he played last year, and I have got McKissick who can come in as the third down back, you know, like arm pass block if he needs to, because he needs to get better at pass blocking if he wants to be a true three down back. So he might be in a bit of a timeshare with McKissick, but I think McKissick's going to be a third down back at best. And this guy's going to be the C. This is going to be the 20 touch a game guy, like, you know, 18 to 20 touches a game. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think he probably could have been a thousand yard receiver, a thousand yard running back last year. Really, couldn't he, John? Mm, yeah, he wasn't far. Ultimately, he wasn't far off. I think Jordan made a good point as well. He started to break out in the second half of the season. Since sort of hit around the Thanksgiving game uh, against Dallas, he seemed to you know ran all over them. And after that, he just seemed to take the momentum into a bit like Washington as a team. Really took the momentum into the second half of the year. Um, we all liked Washington when we looked at you know when we looked at the team in the divisional stuff. I think this is a microcosm of that. He can be a very very good player. I think um, I think like I know Dallas were quite poor on on defense last year, but like Mike said about getting um, fifteen to twenty touches. I'm just looking at stats here. The twice he had twenty touches, he got over hundred yards, one twenty-eight, one fifteen, both against Dallas, and then the sixteen sixteen um, attempts. Sorry, not I've said targets now. Sixteen attempts, ninety-four yards. So you see, if he's getting up there with the with with, with the um, with the attempts, he's going to be putting up to close to three figures or, or more each game. Yeah, yeah, I've got got good faith in him doing that. As you say, Mark, I think they may transition McKissick into a more third down role. Um, that's kind of mirrored how Rivera normally treats his running backs, so I think that would, I think that's certainly possible. So yeah, I feel feel quite positive about that choice, to be honest. Yeah, I think, I think Gibson's a great running back. Realistically, I think you you've chosen a good one. I think um, there's a couple. I think he had a couple standout games in the receiving department. I think he didn't have loads of great receiving games. So I think they should. It, He's transitioned from that position. I do think there's something to be said for they maybe getting more involved in the receiving game next year. Um, like Jordan said, he had a couple of games where he did go over 100 yards, handed the ball off to him a lot more. and He does just look like a solid running back that's going to provide Washington with exactly what they need to dictate the pace of the game, like you were saying before. It's hard to really add anything at this point. I feel like I'm just repeating what you've all already said. But <laughs> no, I, you know me. I do like to watch a bit of running football. And I think... That I, He's, he's got the spark, and I'm interested to see how it develops. I think the C, the CMC 
comp is an interesting one. I'd, I'd love to see if he can live up to a CMC comp because that is a big comparison to me. It's a massive but, one. I think he's. I think he's not at that level. But hey, you never know if he has the potential to break out and be even a little bit like CMC is is a good running back. So yeah, I, I'd I'd be impressed to see. It. I'm looking forward to seeing more from this guy, especially after everything you've all said about him. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know when we talk about well, what would be a breakout season from the threshold for a running back breakout season has been the same since dawn of time, hasn't it? It's like thousand yards. If you can run a thousand yards, that should really be changed. I think to one thousand two hundred or one thousand three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that was set in like the nineteen sixties. You know, like when they were playing fourteen game seasons, and then they were playing like sixteen game seasons, and now they play like a seventeen game season. So to break that down, you know, like, where's me calculator? Because I'm rubbish at maths. And there's somebody who's good at maths. Would you, you, know, would like, you make it combined yardage in the modern NFL, though, considering how often running backs are used in the receiving game now? Would you say it's more combined yardage for running backs than just running yards? Just yeah. rushing yards? I mean, well, put it this way, right, Bones? If you was to have a 1,000-yard season over a 17-game season, it only equates to 58.8 yards a game, which doesn't sound that impressive. So I don't want to see it. I have a breakout season. He's got to get a thousand yards, but I would say, in some form, he's got to break one thousand two hundred. Be that a thousand yards rushing and two hundred yards receiving or whatever. I think a thousand two hundred yards, all purpose from this kid, would be what I would say would be a breakout for him. Like you know, what about um, as a running back touchdowns? What, what, what would you want to see from him? Like obviously he had. Um... I think he had 11, 11 rushing and two. Yeah, no receiving, sorry, 11 rushing last year. So, would, would you say round about the same again? Maybe a few more? More receiving touchdowns, I think. And maybe try and get up to 15, maybe rushing touchdowns, something like that. I think as long as he has a solid year, you know, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be well thought of in that division. It's the NFC East as well. So, anybody with a good running game is probably going to, you know, it's probably going to benefit. I've always thought that 12 rushing touchdowns is a good benchmark for a running back. You know, like you're talking most games, I put one in the paint, um, especially with committee backs these days. I used to think Josh, you know, Josh Jacobs at the Raiders, I mean, 12 touchdowns, that's that's a good that's a good starting point for him, like, you know. Um, and I, I remember having that figure when he came in as a rookie. Um, so I've always thought 12 has been a magic number. I might change that to 13 now with the additional game. So let's say, like, you know, like if you can, if you can, if you can punch in thirteen touchdowns on the ground, maybe get three or four through the air as well. I, I think you're right, John. I think that's what I would like to see from him as well. Yeah. So, and I know obviously um, JP is a running back, but it's um, interesting to see that well, the wide receivers that we got. It's going to be interesting on the quarterback from, from them. But I don't, Do I, you know, I don't. Go, Mac. Go. Do you know what would be interesting? Yeah, you know how normally we do our table, you know, like we do our table of one to four, you know, like on who was going to win the divisions. I was thinking of how we could do this. And what we could do like this, we could either put out a poll or we could, well, we could do both. One, we could put out a poll on who do we think is going to have the better season out of these four players and let, the, let, let our listeners or stream followers or social media follow us and they can back Whoever made an argument, do they think it's Hawkinson? Do they think it's Mooney? Do they think it's Gibson? Do they think it's um, Ayuk? And us now, we can rank it now from first to last. 
in order, who do we think's most likely to make a Pro Bowl out of these four? Pro Bowl. I think that's a good. I think that's a good question. I, I, I'm down for that. I might be biased though. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking that Mooney would probably be down the bottom, not because he's not a good player, but just because of the role that he makes and because of the position he's in. He's going to have to be out some bloody terrific wide receivers, isn't he? Really, as a second-year player to get into a Pro Bowl. So I think he's probably most least likely to get in. Would you say that, Jordan? Even on your yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I probably agree with. You. I'm just thinking now, like myself, like obviously Antonio Gibson's a good call, but obviously Hawkinson on the tight. If you're thinking Pro Bowl, Hawkinson on the tight end side, you know. Obviously, there's some good tight ends, you know, in the um, in the NFC. But there's only is it is it two or three tight ends that they sent the Pro Bowl from each side? Four, two from each oh. side. Oh yeah, so that's for me. TJ Hawkinson, no doubt. Then so number one goes TJ Hawkinson. Number four goes Darnell Mooney. Where we're going with two and three? Are we putting Gibson at two or putting Ayuk? Or I doing think put, I would say Gibson at two because. I don't think Ayuk is going to have the volume in that offense to to stand out, if that makes sense. We Pro Bowl ride receivers hard as well, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is. He'd have to have like an all-world. So if he does, we're probably going to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, let's hope he does go to the Pro Bowl. But, uh, yeah, I, personally, I can't see that. I think he'll have a good season, but I don't think it'll be enough to stand out so, from, the, from the rest of the So team. there we go then. So our order, yeah. we think that Hawkinson out of these four is more likely to make the Pro Bowl. We think Gibson's second most likely, followed by Ayuk. And um, Mooney. Yeah. Now, put a poll out on our socials and get people voting in, and they can vote who they think is most likely to have a breakout this year. Who do you think is the most likely out of these four to have a breakout season? I'd be interested to see what other people think about well, this. There's an argument for all four. We've made really good arguments, lads. I've enjoyed it tonight. I really have. I've enjoyed the whole discussion. We've clearly all brought a good player at the table. It's hard to disagree on any. I've not been able to pick fault with anybody's, which pisses us off because I do love an argument. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've all made some good points. Um, Jordan, you know, you're hosting. I'll let you wrap this up, mate. No, no, I think it's been, it's been fun. It's, I said before we came on air that it's four players that, that I liked. I, I will try to find stuff to be a, like devil advocate you know with you know to pick holes and stuff it's quite hard when there's more decent players there i think it's a lot of it is going to come down to on certain players you know like on, on schemes and um and quarterback situations but take that to the side these are four fabulous players who, who, who if they, they're going to have good years eventually even if next year but yeah i've enjoyed it tonight and um we'll get that poll up we'll um we might bring it up on uh, next week's show at the beginning, and shout out the, the results there. And and on uh, next week it'll be um, we'll go to the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we interested to see which players we pick there. I can't remember who I chose. I'm gonna have to go back out on my WhatsApp. I remember who I said. Who was it? Not Derek Brown. Oh, I did see Derek Brown get in. <laughs> I have no idea who I'm gonna pick yet, but. Right, well, right, right, let's let's disappear before we all give it away because we want people to come yes. back in next week, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we we haven't decided. I think we were thinking about maybe into the Wednesday slot, guys, won't we? You know, like, like um, going forward. So we'll um, we'll 
have a talk off air, do defensive players, and we'll see you next week at similar time for defensive breakout players of the next season. Thank you for listening, guys. See you yeah, next week. Yeah,